following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. So would you stand? I'm going to not be lengthy tonight. I promise that because it is an inclement night and tomorrow is school and I recognize that and so I'm not going to be lengthy. But I hope that I can drill something home because we're starting something. I'm going to give a foundational uh, word tonight on this Thanksgiving series and I'm calling it simply the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Anybody know that God is good? Anybody know that? That he is a good God, that he loves us, he cares for us. And so I want you to remain standing, and I'm going to read Matthew chapter 7 uh, that says simp- simply this, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? James said in chapter 1, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Clap your hands for the word tonight. And now say it with me, Pastor, Pastor, preach to me tonight. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us tonight. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor, and you may be seated. If you're a guest tonight, we welcome you, and I did meet some wonderful new people. Welcome to the Mutter Club tonight. Have you ever wondered, as I have, what those good things really are? What they really are. Tonight, I'm going to talk about, this will be my theme, seeing your life through the lens of God's favor. Have you ever wondered what good things are and why it seems some people receive more good things in their lives than others do, including you? Perhaps you thought good things are for everyone else but you. That you've done something wrong or you've been bad and are no longer on God's good side. See, a lot of God's people still don't understand the important concept of this thing called God's favor. Everybody say God's favor. Amen. When we are unaware of the extent of God's favor, We're certain to limit it by comparing it to human kindness. When we're unaware of the extent of God's favor, we're certain to limit it by comparing it to human kindness. And those two are far from each other on the comparison charts. The psalmist said this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Folks, you can read that real slow and that just messes your heart up. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Johnny Nash sang a song from the 70s, not Johnny Cash, Johnny Nash. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all, one old writer said, popsicles in my way. Am I 
are we seeing clearly in this day and time? I went to a sunglass store years ago one day with an ordinary pair of Walmart sunglasses on. And a guy asked me, sir, have you ever worn polarized sunglasses? That's when it was kind of the, the rave. And I said, hey, man, all sunglasses are alike. I've just come to get a fancier pair. I want to look better. It's just the frames that are different, I said. And there was a window to the outside in the store, and he said, look at the world from your all the same sunshades. And then put these on and look at the same world through these. So I did, and wow. And that's the day I said goodbye to Walmart cheapies. <laughs> and hello to the polarized lenses. I got polarized that day forever. And I, and, and I came in this, hey, hey, hey. Hey, don't rush the stage, please, don't rush it. I came in this auditorium today with these shades on, and there's some lights right up here above me that just knock me down sometime. I have to keep my head down, and I can't really see the audience in this area like I want to see them, but oh, I got you tonight. I got you tonight because I'm polarized. I can see clearly now. I got the right lenses on. And since then, I learned how polarized glasses work. There are vertical lines and there's horizontal lines of light in our world. And the polarized lens eliminates the horizontal lines which cuts out 100% of the reflected light. I am being a grandpa this week. Patty took her girls, our girls, on a trip they went to Nashville, Tennessee. They didn't want the live music capital. They wanted the music capital of the world. And last night they went to the Grand Ole Opry. And my wife called me and said, baby, you've got to come. So I'm going to go one day. I'm going to slip off on a Tuesday night, go over and come back that same night. I want to go to the Grand Ole Opry because everybody's got to see that before they go to the other side. So I just thought I'd share that with you. But they went, they went last night to that. And so... I'm, I'm doing grandpa duty because Jaron has got four kids, four kids, and two of them are infants. One is two years old, close to three, and the other will be a year old this month, and then two go to school. So the last several mornings, I've been getting up at six o'clock, getting dressed, and driving out to Jaron and Kate's house, hallelujah, <laughs> and watching kids sleep while he takes the two to school. It's cool, folks. I get to sit there and I watch these little monitors, you know, and those kids are, they're rolling around and they're not awake. And I say, God, let them sleep till he gets back. <laughs> but I've been going down 1826 because I don't like 290 that early in the morning because the crowd's coming into town. So I go out to uh, 1826. And, and the first day I went out, I didn't wear, I didn't, I didn't wear any, anything to deter the lights. And I'm, I have a little problem with my eyes of headlights, especially at night of headlights, you know, I don't have a problem during the day because it's not the same situation, but the lights were bothering me. So this morning, I went down a dark road with these on, and I never had a problem with headlights. And so in the morning, they're going to be my wear. I'm going to wear them again because there's something about taking away the glare of what's coming at you and letting you see. For example, if you're on a boat, 
You will assume there are fish beneath the water surface, but you don't actually see them due to the reflective glare of the sun on the water. However, polarized glasses cuts through the glare and you actually see the illuminated life beneath the surface. I'm talking to you. The same is true when you're looking out across the horizon. The distortion is eliminated, allowing you to take in the full view beyond the glare. Point being, there's a huge difference in assuming God is good and seeing the evidence of his goodness. It's time to take off these things that you think are cool and put on some things that are faith-filled and let's see what God is in our life. So what if you could train your eyes to see the good? What if you could? What if you could cut through the glaring issues of life and see God's constant presence and extravagant goodness? Folks, I made a mistake several years ago. I've never made the mistake again. I walked into a restroom one day and noticed it was not like a normal men's restroom. And while I was in there, a lady walked in. Thank God I was washing my hands. And she said politely, what are you doing in here, sir? Which I responded, I'm just using the bathroom. And I thought in my mind, duh. And she said, still politely, this is a lady's restroom. Then it dawned on me why it didn't have the proper men's facilities. As I left, very embarrassed, not telling her I was a pastor, that I had a problem with sight. I looked again at the outside of the door and it clearly said, women, how did I not see that sign? People wonder about their faith while they don't have more. Some even pray for more faith, not realizing that faith comes to us through our senses. The Bible said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If all you hear is negative, you will see negative. It could be a spouse, it could be a neighbor, it could be a person at work in the nightly news, negative in, negative out, negative sight. The same with positive things in life, positive in, positive out, positive sight. There are young men right now in the sports world, you hear me, in the sports world, I'm gonna preach a little bit before I teach a little. There's men in the sports world right now that are getting out of sports and don't wanna play anymore because of mental problems. They're still a great athlete, they still have great ability, but mentally they can't face it. You know why? They get on this thing called Facebook at night and they put out stuff and they get negative reviews on their stuff and it makes them believe that they're not capable of doing what they have done all their life. And there is a hell in this world that wants to put negative stuff in you that makes you think you're not capable of being good enough to get the favor of God. But I'm here to declare, you need to let somebody with a word from the Lord here tonight put some positive in you and put some faith in you and you need to receive it so you can understand what positive sight and seeing the goodness of God is all about. It's all about this. Cynics love to accuse optimists, people of being idealists, that they see life unrealistically. I think it's just the opposite. I believe the positive reality is often blocked from a person's view of negative people. 
It's not the people that don't want to see the good things. They just can't see the good things. Can I give you something good here tonight? Can you get a hold of what I'm about to say? Say, Pastor, go ahead and say it. I'm going to get on it. Okay, are you ready? Prop three passed. That means that whatever comes, whatever goes, there's no government institution. There's not any kind of leadership in our city or in our county that can close this church down. Is that good? Is that good? Come on, clap your hands. Is that good? And it went over overwhelmingly. You know why? Because God said my church was built by me and the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. Come on now. Mm. Because people have distorted view of reality, one of the great deceptions of our time is the idea that goodness and good things exist on their own without origin, aside and apart from God. The truth is that God is the source of all goodness. Oh, I'm going to have fun teaching this the next two weeks. And all good things. We have to learn to see that. God is the source. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6 in the Old Testament, Elisha's servant was seeing with his physical eyes all the opposition's forces. He said there's chariots and there's horsemen. They that are with them are more than they that are with us. He was completely unaware of what he could not see, which was the positive forces that God had sent to save and protect the city. I want to declare something to you. I heard an old preacher say this a long time ago. When the Lord kicked Satan out of heaven because of his pride, one-third of the angels went with him. And somebody said, boy, we got a war to fight. Yeah, but two-thirds stayed. And any time the devil comes against you in any manner, he's outnumbered two to one just by the angels. Come on, somebody. Plus, you have the hand of God on your life. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be simple with you, but just get that in your head. I'm not going to lose because greater are they that's with us than are that's with them. Jeremiah said it this way, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. God spoke it, and I will never stop doing good to them. Turn to your wife or husband and say, God's going to never stop doing good to us. I call it the turnaround. Let me preach a little bit. I've been in ministry 51 years. I started when I was two years old. And, 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 and in process, human being longer than that. I have a question. What do you think God thinks about you? What do you think he thinks about you? Some people would say, well, someday, Pastor, I think it's pretty good. Some days, I'm not good. I'm really bad. Some days are a mixture of both good and bad. I start off bad and get good, and it ends bad. And I guess what God thinks of me kind of depends on my behavior equals his approval. My behavior equals his approval. God has this favor faucet. <laughs> and he turns it on and he turns it off. When I fuss at my husband and maybe use a little cuss word. Or, or if, if I fuss at my wife and tell her she's the worst cook in the country. 
and I get road rage and I want to get out and hit somebody upside the head and call in sick when I'm not sick and I go play golf that day, amen. <laughs> Some believe God turns the faucet, the favor faucet to a down posture. He turns us off. These kinds of thoughts are the termites of trust in our relationship with God. Most folks hear the word favor and associate it with God. They assume that it is like a frequent flyer program that can be tapped into once you have logged enough miles. In other words, if you're a million-mile club member and you've traveled with the Lord all these years, maybe you'll have some favor. You get the best seat. You get access to the travel lounge and other perks. However, use an airline analogy of, to God's favor. God's favor is better understood, oh, I want to preach this, by what happens when you are flying as a companion to someone who has earned the top status of a frequent flyer program and has passed along the benefits to you, that's when you got a good deal. I love my kids. I love my grands. I took all my daughters. I have three of them. They all got good husbands, and they wasn't good, and then they became good when they became fathers of my grandkids. No, I'm, because there's not guys good enough for your daughters. I, I'm sorry. Brad, Brad was close. Damon was close. But a guy from Mississippi, he's listening to me tonight. We had to, we had to really pray over that one. <laughs> but I took my, all my adult kids and Patty and I on a, on a vacation eight years ago. And my kids did not pay to go on that trip, and I flew them all first class. First class. We flew all the way across the ocean. They didn't earn that first class treatment, but they were invited by their father who paid for it all albeit with American Express points the whole trip that I had been saving for seven years they received favor because their father paid the price oh I want to preach a little bit now they could have stayed home and said I'm not going if I can't pay I must pay if I go. I will not be a charity child. However, they did not say that. Thank God and amen. amen. You got to get a hold of what I'm preaching right now. It's not the miles you have logged in your life with him. It's the fact that you have logged those miles with him. He is the reason that we are in favor right now in his presence. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands and say, I receive the favor of God because my Father loves me. Wow. Wow. I don't want anybody to duck their head and say, I'm not good enough. You're good enough. You're good enough. The actual challenge for us is not gaining God's approval, but rather accepting God's approval. In the Old Testament, God seemed to say, I've had it with these people. <laughs> back in Judges, if you want to read a book, boy, those people were rough back in that day. Here's the reason why. In times of abundance, the people drifted spiritually, and God turned away from them seemingly, and the nation regressed in power and plummeted to adversity. And the people responded to the message, repented, turned back to God, and His favor turned back to them, and in, they enjoyed seasons of abundance. But then the people drifted away again, and returned to point A, and the cycle continued. And 
Good, bad, good, bad. God continued to bless them during their bad action time. His favor stayed on them, at least until history repeated itself. Then something happened that changed this pattern once and for all on God's end of things. It's as if he decided, I'm not going to do this anymore. Listen to me, folks. I'm not doing this anymore. I have turned away because you have turned away, and I am done with this. Hear me. He could have turned away permanently, but in his grace, he chose to turn toward us permanently. I'm going to stand back and let that drift in your heart right now. He's not going to turn away from you anymore. There's no court in session in heaven. Nobody's judging you right now. You're living in a thing called the grace of God. You need to accept that, receive that into your heart right now. Come on. This is tough teaching, but you got to get it. You got to get it. You got to get it. No more turning away for God. No more withdrawing from man for seasons or periods of time. It was the supreme moment in history. A very good thing happened. It was the best year ever. One Sabbath morning, Jesus went to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and read a quotation from the prophet Isaiah that I believe clearly defined his mission. Luke 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Everybody say, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. What exactly did, did he mean? Most success coaches recommend that if you want to succeed in life, you need a mission statement. They say the more specific it is, the better. This church has a mission statement. And every Tuesday, we repeat that mission statement. We want to take people where they are and move them where God wants them to be. And we do this by letting them know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's our mission statement here. In fact, that mission statement should be in you that no matter where you are or what time it is, you should be able to speak it. What is the year of the Lord's favor? It's good sounding words. What do they mean? What does it have to do with God's favor in my life? People who heard him knew he spoke of the year of Jubilee, which happened every 50 years by the calendar. In Bible times, people could not pay their bills, would work as slaves for those who owed, they owed money to. Debt also often forced families to send their children as slaves to whom they owed money. In other scenarios, the children stayed home, but either mom or dad went to work off the debt. Sometimes the debt was government taxes, and those who owed and could not pay went to a debtor's prison. But all that changed in the year of Jubilee. In 50 years, debts got canceled. Debt slaves and prisoners were freed. And land lost in foreclosures was returned to the original owner or their family. The year of Jubilee was one of the greatest celebrations ever. And one could see why, but when Jesus made that announcement, he was not referring to a calendar year. He was referring to a brand new season. Come on, folks. A brand new season. A new era in time. A new chapter in God's story of grace. He simply used the reference year of favor as a picture of his mission on this earth. 
Folks, can I tell you, when he stepped into the synagogue that day, it was a brand new day for all of us. It's not ever 50 years. It's not ever, ever, ever half, half century. No, no, no. It is every time you walk in this house. It's every time you wake up in the morning. It's every time you lay down at night. It's every time you go to your job. It's every time you go home from your job. There's favor with you. Come on now. There's favor with you. And you can either receive that or reject that. But I choose to open up my arms and say, pour it on me, Lord. Let me have your favor. I will walk in your favor. Hallelujah. Mm. I was raised in a family. I was raised by a mom and dad that were in utter poverty in their life, utter poverty. And mom didn't like it when I wrote my book about that utter poverty. We, we were just, we were so broke we couldn't pay attention. It was sad. But God allowed us to continue and showed our family favor. We didn't get sick. My dad made $27.50 a week as a sharecropper and I got 50 cents a day to chop cotton I was worth more than that <laughs> but I wouldn't I, I didn't get more than that but there was there was all this stuff that was on us and so I said to myself one day when I was a kid I said God I don't know how it's going to happen I don't know how it's going to take place but I refuse to work and live under this the rest of my life my dad got a job with an oil company when I was 10 years old, and dad started doing better, but not that good. Mama got her degree after we left home from Texas Tech and started teaching school, and they did better. And they did have a little money when they left, but mom and dad never saw what they could have seen because they never heard this kind of ministry. They never heard somebody say that the favor of God is for you. They never heard that. But I'll never forget when I first heard it. I was in college. And I heard a man that was a grace man start preaching on the favor of God. And I said, what is that? What is that favor? And I started studying favor and I got a hold of it. And I reached up literally and said, God, I want that in my life. And when I was a young man, not raised in a preacher's home, asking God to open doors for me. I was preaching my first revival. You gotta hear this. I was preaching my first revival in, in a little town, in a little town that's at, at Walnut Hill, Louisiana, okay? Walnut Hill. The church was right next to a graveyard and the church was deader than the graveyard. And that was my first revival. And I went and slept in a home of the pastor that lived in a little town 80 miles away and he had come to church 80 miles because he, had a, he was bivocational, the little pastor was. And I worked in that church. And I preached a whole week and he said, son, can you stay another week? I said, sir, I'm out of sermons. I don't mind telling you, I'm out of sermons. And he said, we'll get you some. So I stayed another week. It was Friday of that next week. I didn't know anybody. And the phone rang in the parsonage and I was by myself and the pastor had told me if that phone rings, pick it up. And I went and picked the phone up and I said hello and I heard this voice. Hey brother Rick, how you doing? And I said, I'm fine. I thought he said Rex. <laughs> I said, I'm fine. How you doing, sir? He said, fine, I want you to come preach for me. I said, you do? I said, who is this? He said, this is Brother McManus over in Anacoka, Louisiana, and I want you to come. He said, remember when you preached me that great revival? I said, no, sir. <laughs> I have never preached you a great revival because I have never preached for you. He said, you're not Rick Weiser? He said, you're not Rick Weiser? I said, no, sir. My name is Rex Johnson. He said, well, 
Here it comes. Here it comes. Well, he said, <laughs> I called the number and you picked up the phone. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. And he said, I want you to come and preach for me. I preached for him four solid weeks. I found a sermon every day and I've never looked back because something happened on that phone call. God said, I'm gonna put favor on you. You're gonna walk under my favor for the rest of your life. Somebody help me preach right now. And when I walked in this church 31 years ago, we didn't have a lot of people, but God said, son, I'm with you. We're gonna build a church here and we're building a church and we're not finished yet because the Lord hadn't come God as yet. And we're not gonna just rest on our leaves and say, well, this is all good. No, no, no. We're gonna have church on Sunday. We're gonna have salvations here on Sunday. We're gonna see the goodness of God because God is for us. Come on, clap your hands real big. Rejoice in that. That's good, that's good. The on again, then off again system was over. This was what I call the turnaround. It would be replaced by a never-ending, ongoing commitment of God's favor to all mankind. How many of you folks watch The Voice, that TV show, The Voice? I, I love singing. I can't do it very well, but I know good singing. And, and, and it's a popular show, and it's blind auditions that are held, and there are four judges sitting in chairs, and the object is to get the judges to turn around and see who's singing. The moment the judge hits his or her button and turns around, they immediately, immediately leave the unbiased evaluation of the individual's talent and immediately become the unabashed supporter committed to making the singer success. The judge is saying, I have heard enough. Now I want to go from being your judge to helping you be everything that you can be. This is a picture of what it looked like when God turned his favor toward us. He hit the button and said, I've heard enough. He turned in our direction and he said these four words, I am for you. I'm ready to help you be everything you've created to be. You know when the chair turned? It turned at Calvary. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Randy, if you'll come, that he gave. Can you hear that? Paul said, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. God's favor is not on today and off tomorrow. His favor is not based on him being in a good mood. His favor is not better at Christmas than it is at Halloween. And you don't have to worry about falling out of favor because of failure. Give up that premise and stand on the promise. Please start believing that God's favor will never run out. Patty and I, we first got married back in 1982. Many of you don't know my story. Maybe one day I, you'll come and you'll hear my story about that. But God blessed me with a beautiful wife after losing my family. We went to Niagara Falls, first year of our marriage, and, and we said never seen anything that quite reminded us of the awesomeness of God as Niagara Falls. And two years ago in 2019 before the pandemic hit, we went to upstate New York on a journey. And 38 years later, we stood at those same falls. And you would think, folks, after 38 years, it would run out. <laughs> it would not have any more water. 
No, millions of gallons of fresh water every minute pass over the falls. Not recycled, but new fresh water. Because God's favor faucet is turned on. You need to understand, you need to bask in the grace of God. Psalms 30 said, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Amen. I can't get over the call I got in Walnut Hill. Come preach for me, Brother Rick. I don't know you. Yeah, we're going to get to know each other. Let me conclude. I love my family. I've already told you that. I love my wife, my sweet girls, my son-in-laws, my grandkids. I got nine of them. I'm so blessed. Raising our girls was so much fun. The Lord, have we laughed in our life. I can't believe my youngest is 35 and a mom four times. And one of my fondest memories is when the girls all took driver's education. You that's gone through that, you know what that feels like. All three wanted desperately to drive to be independent. No dad, no mom, just me in the car. I got this, Dad. I got it, Mom. May I submit? May I submit this to you humbly tonight? All three girls had multiple wrecks. All three. Can you say multiple? That's where we get the word multiply from. All the girls passed their driving test. Did you hear me? They all passed their driving test, even the parallel parking. I blessed all of them with a car to drive. Maybe not their dream car, but a car. Misty got a little Mustang, a little cheap one, six-cylinder. Cass got a Volkswagen Bug, and Kate got a Volkswagen Cabrio. And all three of the girls, hear me, all three of them wrecked their first car. <laughs> not one, not two, but all had three wrecks. All three had wrecks. I'll get that right. Multiple wrecks. One had three, the other two had two. And the one that is the executive pastor's wife is the three-wreck woman. To a point that I thought they lied about this driver's education thing. <laughs> However, when Patty and I got to the scenes of all these accidents, there was no lectures. No lectures. No words like, I wish I'd never let you get your license. Should have never let you get a car. No. It was simply hugs and I'm so glad you're okay. We can fix the car. Yet they'd all wreck cars. Plural. Plural cars. But they were still alive and I was still their dad who loved them till the end. That's what you call favor. Amen. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I said I was going to be brief, but I got beside myself preaching a little bit tonight. Want a little more of history? A little more? Every one of Patty's family has wrecked a car of mine. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, Brett, my brother-in-law, Scott. I love them all, kind of. <laughs> but God loves, God's love never fails. Amen. Never gives up. Never runs out on me. Right. On this first Wednesday night, why don't we reach up and grasp his goodness right now. Come on, let's grasp his goodness. There is favor in this house. Clap your hands and receive the word tonight. Amen. Get your communion cup. Let's take communion together tonight. <clears throat> I'm going to take it without the shades because I can see you. I love you. 
I love you. I think you're the greatest people in all the planet. And I thank you for that. But I, I really do love you. I, I think you're just awesome people. And if I can say that to you, can you imagine what the Lord thinks about you? He loves you. So lift up your bread and say, Lord, thank you for your broken body. Thank you for giving your life as a ransom for my salvation. Let's receive the bread tonight. Amen. Amen. And now let's take the fruit of the vine. Open up your juice. Hold it heavenward. I hope everybody's taking this. The Bible said don't take it unworthily because you'll get sick and diseases will come and even death. You know what unworthily is, don't you? That this doesn't matter, that the cross doesn't matter. The cross did matter. It was our turnaround. The cross did matter. Receive his blood as a token for your sins. Amen. Receive it right now. Amen. Doesn't that feel good? Amen. Lift your hands all over the house. We got a song to sing, guys. We got a song to sing. Sing a little bit, Randy. Let's sing with Randy and the team before we're dismissed here tonight. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been paid. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness, your goodness, your goodness. Sing it now, let's sing it. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Yeah, your goodness is running after, running after me. Oh, yes. With my life laid down, I surrender now. Give you everything, oh yeah. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for grace. I thank you for favor. I thank you that you are a good God. We're gonna talk about you the next two weeks about your goodness and how we can see your goodness in everything in our life. Bless us. Thank you for letting people come tonight to hear the word of God and to worship you and to walk out of here feeling better about themselves than what they felt when they came in. I bless them. And God, I'm sorry I held them a little long, 
but I'm so grateful that you was in this house and you met us tonight. Now bring us back Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. an hour later because we're falling back Saturday night. It's a fallback night, but we're going to spring forward in our spirit when we walk in the church. I bless this congregation in the name of the Lord and everybody said amen.